What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com, including our 40 teams in 40 days, taking a look at the draft eligible players and the potential Buccaneers targets of 40 different college teams. We are, uh, to, as of today, we will be on day 14. So if you've missed any of that or there's a school that you're looking for, make sure you scroll back and see if it's in there. And if your team hasn't come up yet, it will. We have 26 more days of this to come. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at The Pewter Plank, at JYarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Not a whole lot of Buccaneer stuff going on right now. So David and I are going to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about the playoffs. It's something we were going to talk about last week and had some things come up. You know, life happens. We uh, we didn't get an episode out the day that we were planning to. But let's go ahead and, and dive into the playoffs because had we talked about it last week, I would have made my case for why the Minnesota Vikings and the New England Patriots were going to be going to the Super Bowl. So I was half right. But let's start with the Patriots going to their 3,492nd Super Bowl with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick at the helm. The game ended um, pretty much the, the the way we all thought it would when it was 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter. We're like, well, there's, there's no way the Patriots aren't going to win this at this point. And, of course, they would go on to win 24 to 20. So we get to suffer through another – Tom Brady Super Bowl. David, what's kind of your reaction to the uh, the Patriots win over the Jags? I mean, it was a heck of a game, just not the outcome that America was hoping for. Hashtag Jacksonville is America's new team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, really great football just all around, a really good game. Well, I don't say great football all around, but uh, a really good game, really entertaining, you know, as a football fan without his favorite team in the playoffs. That's really all you can ask for. Uh, in my in my eyes, is just a really competitive football game. Um, I actually picked Jacksonville and Minnesota to win, so I suck apparently. <laughs> but I mean, in my defense, I should have been half right because Jacksonville should have won that game. And you know, I've I've had some back and forth with people on Twitter, and some people have agreed with me, and some people have disagreed with me. But I feel like uh, Marone took the foot off the gas and. Tried oh, for to sure. bleed the clock, and and I tweeted it out a couple times that you know NFL teams need to learn, and they should have learned from the Falcons last year that the game clock is not on your team. The game clock does not wear your jersey, is not on your roster, and doesn't care if you win. So when you're trying to use the game clock as as an ally, you're going to lose to a team that has the type of resiliency that the Patriots do, and that's exactly what happened to the Jaguars. Yes, you had some bad penalties. Yes, you had some uh some issues on the defense and and you had some issues on the offense as well but at the end of the day uh the, the Jaguars started playing what I like to call 10-yard football where you know they're going out there on first down and and in three downs they want to gain 11 yards and no more because they just want to get that first down and bleed more clock and when you when you shrink your offense like that you shrink the defense and I don't care what defense you're playing against um these are NFL players for a reason they're the best in the world at what they do and if you if you make them play with eleven guys in a ten yard box, they're going to destroy you, and that's exactly what happened. So uh, I don't know. It's amazing to me, and I just I implore the Philadelphia Eagles, Doug Peterson, if you get a lead, 
against New England Patriots continue to try to build the lead. The postseason is not the time for hurt feelings. It's not the time to make friends. It's not the time for sportsmanship to a certain extent. Like I'm not calling for Jalen Ramsey to go out there and cold cock Rob Gronkowski, you know, if he's still on the field. But as far as, well, we're not going to run up the score. This isn't the time for that. This is the time to run up the score. I don't care if you win 42 to 17 over the Patriots, do it and go to the Super Bowl and be happy. Um, so it was just dumbfounding to me because I was watching it happen and I was sitting in my living room and I said, I cannot believe because I tweeted it. I said, the Jacksonville Jaguars absolutely cannot take their foot off the gas. And that's pretty much the time that they did. You know, first and 10, Leonard Fournette up the middle, predictable. Second and eight, Leonard Fournette up, up the middle, predictable. Third and eight, now you're putting the ball in Blake Bortles' hands, you're looking for a nine yard completion. And it's just, it, it's nothing against Blake Bortles, but that's not a smart way to play football. Um, ask Buccaneers fans. There were some tweets out there said, oh man, what, what, there was one that said, oh, Dirk Cutter must be calling plays now for the Jags. And as much as it sucks, you know, I, I don't like buck bashing during the playoffs, but I mean, you can't really, I mean, the play calling there at the end of the game from Jaguars looked eerily similar. Yeah, one of one of my biggest gripes was during the third quarter, it seemed like they went away from Fournette too much. And I had I had tweeted that out and you know, the next drive, you know, Fournette gets the ball and and you know makes plays and and the Jags start marching down the field. I think that that drive ended in a field goal. But I had to leave. Uh it was shortly after the fourth quarter began, and I had about an hour's worth of driving to do. So I threw on the the Jaguars radio network on Sirius and I was listening to it that way. And you know, I hear the Patriots score a touchdown. So now it's 20 to 17. And then the Jags go three and out and they punt. But then they hold the Patriots and they get the ball back. And at this point, there was like five to six minutes left, something like that. And I was unbelievably baffled by the play calling. You have that little amount of time left in the game. You have the lead against the Patriots. And you keep throwing the ball and stopping the clock. It was just mind-boggling to me how you could put yourself in that bad of a situation in the AFC Championship. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people complaining about the officiating. I had some gripes with the officiating. And probably the thing that I had the biggest problem with, aside from that, horrendous pass interference call against the Jags at the end of the first half was not something unique to this game. We see it every single week in the NFL. That was when Miles Jack stripped the ball from, was it Deion Lewis that he stripped it from? Yep. Strips the ball from him and has a touchdown, but the referee blew the play dead. Had the referee not blown the play dead, which should not have been blown dead to begin with, now you're talking about a 27 to 10 lead at that point. You can't screw that up. You have to, we, we live in an age of instant replay in the NFL and not just instant replay, not just challengeable plays. We live in an age where every score and every turnover is automatically reviewed. You have to let that play out. 
Because even if you let it play out and it should have been blown dead, it's going to get fixed. You can't blow that play dead because that right there you could point to. I know I know, one play does not win or lose a game. There's too many things that happen throughout the course of the game that lead to a win or a loss. But you can't tell me that we wouldn't be talking about a Jaguars-Eagles Super Bowl at this point had that play been able to run the course. And and I think that's why Miles Jack was so upset afterwards. I mean, you saw him throw the ball. I'm surprised he didn't get a, a an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty afterwards. But he knew that was a touchdown. He knew he had stripped the ball. He knew it was a turnover. He knew he wasn't touched. That should have been six points the other way. And that's a back-breaking play for any team in the postseason. Yeah. So that was that was my biggest gripe with the officiating. Yeah, I think it's kind of sketchy that the Patriots only had one penalty the entire game when they clearly committed more than that. But I'm also not one of these conspiracy theorists that says that the NFL wanted to make sure that Tom Brady got in because a Blake Bortles versus Case Keenum or Nick Foles um, matchup was going to kill Super Bowl ratings. It's the freaking Super Bowl. It could be the lowest rated Super Bowl in the last 30 years, and it'll still be the most watched thing this year. No, there's there's no conspiracy there. I mean, if if the if the NFL and and they're using their officials to ensure that the Patriots went to the Super Bowl, then I mean, it, any any positive gain for the Jaguars there in the fourth quarter in the second half would have been penalized, and you know, I, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I hope I'm, that most I'm people not... who say that are just you know saying it out of frustration, not legitimately thinking you know, Aisha Curry style that there's a, there's a conspiracy out there and, and all that. Oh, trust me. I interacted with quite a few of them. There are people that legitimately think that the NFL is rigged and they wanted to make sure that Tom Brady got in. Okay, well, it's not. They're all out there. Of course, a lot of them are Bengals fans around here and they all believe that, you know, every Steelers Bengals game is rigged too. So, you know, so the, the most ridiculous Thank one you. I saw, right, <laughs> is actually came from a Saints fan from last week on that uh, Stefan Diggs play where whoever this – I don't know who actually put it out. I saw it from like a retweet or retweet and retweeted that, and then somebody stole the video and I don't know, whatever. Like a cousin of a cousin of a cousin of a friend, right? Right. Um, and basically pointed to Cameron Jordan's pass rush – where he apparently he appeared to have a clear line to Case Keenum, which he didn't, and did what the the person described as an inexplicable spin move, which actually makes sense for Jordan to do. Uh, and then, so that's that's evidence number one that that play was rigged and that the game was fixed. Okay. Oh, evidence lovely. number two was the Marcus Williams like belly flop into the pool tackle attempt. I don't know. Uh, that was Evans. When he suffered a stone cold stunner. Yeah. And I think Evans number three was the fact that he then like lunged himself into his teammates legs to prevent his teammate from being able to, uh, catch up with Diggs. So 
I, I get people sometimes think that some, you know, refs may be maybe favor a player or something like that, but this person is a Saints fan and is complaining about the NFL being rigged against his Saints using Saints players and their actions as evidence that it's rigged. Which means if you're correct, your own players are, are throwing the guys the throwing the game, <laughs> thereby making your point really dumb. Well, and and I posted a picture in the um, in our group chat on Facebook that has started circulating. The Saints have a severe problem with twenty four to twenty three leads with ten seconds left mm-hmm. yeah, because so that was. That was the score and the time left of, of course, the amazing Stefan Diggs play. But that was also the score and the amount of time left right as Chris Godwin happened to catch that game-winning touchdown against the Saints in the last week of the season. Mm-hmm. So we have 28-3 to jokes and we have 24-23 to jokes. Yeah. So speaking of the Saints, though um, – I don't know if you saw it or not, but your boy, Michael Thomas, needs a reality check. Why? <laughs> Do you see him running off at the mouth on Twitter when the when the Vikings got just shellacked? No. Oh, yeah. Just all kinds of tweets about, you know, how how garbage they are. What was the I think the exact tweet was something about, you know, ain't no miracle now or or something to that effect. And it's like. <laughs> Dude, you are sitting at home watching this game. Mm-hmm. Like they beat you, take the L and move on. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it was so petty. And of course he started um yeah, he he tweeted out ain't no miracle with the crying laughing emoji. Mm-hmm. Hashtag shh. And a gif of that's all folks from Looney Tunes. Yeah. And then he he also tweeted out, uh, for all them couch jokes, y'all was in my mentions last week. Now y'all got home field advantage on it right with me. And then another laugh and then a hashtag shh. It's like, bro, you just you you look stupid. And of course Roman Harper had tweeted out, yo, Eagles, blow them out. They're just, they're just all so petty and just ugh, makes me hate the Saints more than I already did. Like, just it's just terrible. Yeah. See, I I as a kid would be like, you know, oh well, that team beat my team. I want them to get crushed. And my dad looked at me and he goes, well, unless it's a division rival it actually makes more sense for you to root for the team that beat yours. Yeah. Because at least if you lost to someone, you lost to the best. Right. Which makes sense in a roundabout way. But it does. I mean, there's Chiefs fans out there right now talking about how the Chiefs beat the Patriots and they yep. beat the Eagles. So how's how's that make you feel? So does that mean that the Chiefs are going to hang up a uh, Super Bowl 52 championship banner no matter who wins because they beat both teams. Shout out Bailey Adams. The Chiefs are the UCF of the NFL. Yes, there it is. I actually, I, I don't understand why everybody's so upset about this whole UCF thing. Like, like them doing it? 
I don't care. Yeah. Go for it. I, I don't care either. It's, Do it you up. know, you you went undefeated. You beat the only team that play or that defeated both of the teams that played for the national championship. UCF deserved a chance. You know, I, I don't see why people are so upset about it. It's like, let them do them. You know, yeah. just is it is it hurting anybody? Nope. Exactly. So, David, anything else from the uh, the Patriots Jags game that you want to dive into before we uh, before we move on? No. No, just disappointed like the rest of us that. <laughs> That Tom Brady is going to play in another Super Bowl. He is. He, he deserves it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump over to the uh, live massacre that was on Fox in uh, in Philadelphia there, where the Eagles just straight murdered the Vikings on on live television. That was the Vikings came out looking so good so good like march right down the field score a touchdown kyle rudolph the red-nosed tight end it was beautiful i'm like all right here we go and then the wheels fell off like immediately yeah it was it was crazy um i really thought after that first couple of series that it was just going to be vikings all day and you know that the Eagles were just going to crumble because of their uh, some of their issues that they have going on. But yeah, I mean they came back. You know, give them credit. That interception by Patrick Robinson really turned everything around. And oh, I time. thought, I mean, when he picked the ball off, you know, I was like, oh, Cage can't, you know, can't make that throw. Da, 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 da. And they kept running. I was just honestly like, I kind of got up. I think I got up to go get another drink. I was on my way to the kitchen because I'm like, okay. He's about to go down and then, you know, probably a commercial. And and next thing I know, he's running into the end zone. I was like, what, what the hell just happened? And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was it. You know, that was, that was, uh, that was ball game. I mean, I, I tweeted. So when Jacksonville took a seven, three lead over new England, I tweeted, obviously jokingly, uh, what I put something like, you know, that's, that's the game or something like that, or, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, in the Eagles Vikings contest, that very much was the game. Like, yeah. That was it. It was over. Yeah, and then of course you you again uh the the Buccaneers fans that were talking about how we still could have had LeGarrette Blonde after he scored a touchdown and that's one of the other things that drives me nuts. It's like, you know, players move on from teams all the time. Yeah. You know, nobody was complaining when the Bucks signed Simeon Rice away from Arizona and he was tearing it up for the Bucks. You know, players players leaving free agency. It's part of the game. You can't keep whining and complaining about players that moved on. They may have had their they may not have wanted to come back. It's not always Tampa's fault that these free agents don't return and they go somewhere else and they succeed. He may not have wanted to be here. For those of you that didn't hear it, TJ Ward was on uh Barstool has a, a new serious station, uh Power 85. And TJ Ward was on one of their shows. He was an in-studio guest with Dave Portnoy, who of course is the founder of Barstool Sports. Huge Patriots fan. He's the one that made the the Roger Goodell clown towels and, and shirts that were taken away um at at whatever stadium it was that they had 
that they had gone to. It might have been in Foxborough. But he hates T.J. Ward, hates him because T.J. Ward had he injured Gronk, he suplexed Edelman, and and so they were on there chit chatting. And Stephen Che, uh, who's been on a couple of Buccaneers podcasts, kind of kind of grilled T.J. a little bit and and was pointing out some flaws, which of course T.J. defended himself as you would expect him to. And Portnoy straight up asked him, said, "You know, where are you go? Are you going to be in Tampa?" next year and tj just flat out he goes no he goes i i I don't know he goes i don't know if they want me back i don't know if i want to be back you know that's one of those things that players may not want to return even if you try to get them back you can't always blame the gm or the coach or the owners or or this or that it's it it takes two people yeah, you know, it takes a, a player and a franchise to come together and agree to work with one another. So this whole, oh, we could have had Blunt and we could have had Tlaib and we could have had Michael Bennett and we could have had this, we could have had that. Yeah, I realized the Michael Bennett situation was a little more the Buccaneers' fault from what we, we've been told and, and what we've heard and, and the stories that are out there. But – it's it's not always the team that is the fault of a player moving on. Aqib Talib was not the shutdown corner that he was in New England or Denver when he was in Tampa. He was a troublemaker. He was in and out of jail. He was pulling guns on his uh was it his like his sister's boyfriend with their mom's gun and and punching cab drivers and you know, Austin's Farian Jenkins, another perfect example. They had to get him out of Tampa. He's cleaned himself up. He had this huge Instagram post about how he's 365 days sober and and he needed that that kick to help him wake up and, and get his life in order. And he's doing really, really well with the New York Jets, and I'm happy for him. Good for him. He's straightened his life out, not even as a football player. I'm happy for him as a person that he's able to clean himself up. You know, that takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of dedication to be able to do something like that. So I just, I get so fed up, you know, watching these, these former Buccaneers playing for other teams and, and doing well. And then be like, oh, well, he, he still should have been a Buccaneer. Well, not necessarily. Maybe he wanted to get the hell out of town. Yeah. I mean, if it's not a healthy environment, it's not a healthy environment. And, and, like you said, that's not necessarily on the team. It's not necessarily on the general managers, you know, uh, just it's, it's some of its youthful, you know, indiscretion. I mean, uh, you give, you get, there's, there's been plenty of conversations about this, about, you know, giving young, young kids, this, the, the amount of money that an NFL player is making, especially, you know, a top pick or even a mid round pick. Uh, I mean, a mid, even, um, you know, a mid round NFL draft pick who probably doesn't get a whole lot of hype and, and, and all that stuff is, is making enough money to to drastically flip my family's life on top of its head. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Uh, so if if that's the case with me, and I've been working in my profession seventeen years and nearing retirement and all that stuff, imagine what's going to do for a young kid just coming out of college and uh, really been outside of a of a uh, of a kind of a structured environment with that type of fame and attention. You know, um, as structured as college is. Uh, which isn't really, but, you know, and then you have also the phenomenon of uh, a lot of these players that are, that are come out here and, and, and getting paid 
you know, a whole lot of money all, all in one shot are coming from, from less uh, affluent, you know, backgrounds. And that's going to have a little bit to do with it. Some of these guys are real smart and, you know, make sure that they're good for the future. So they never have to return to those, those places. And some of them just aren't. And some of them start off dumb and get smarter as they go. And that, you know, it's the cycle of life. I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's players playing for every team that used to play for somebody else's team. And, and, it doesn't mean that just because, you know, if if you put Mark Barron back on the Buccaneers, that doesn't turn Tampa's defense into the Rams' defense. And I get it. You know, it's it's frustrating to watch people who used to play for your team play in the playoffs and play for trophies when your team is sitting at home. I understand that. But uh, like you said, it, it wasn't always going to work. If, if Austin Severian Jenkins goes out, gets that DUI, acts the way that he does, and the Buccaneers pat him on the back, say it's okay, don't worry about it. We're going to keep you on the team. You really think he's going to fix his his patterns and fix his behaviors? No, it's it's highly likely that he's not going to. And his Instagram post that you just referenced speaks to that, you know, in volumes. Um, you know, and there, there's examples of that all over the place. Look, you know, Chris Carter is my favorite example of that, and not because he's from Ohio State, but because you know he he's a, a guy who had a whole lot of talent, a boatload of talent, uh, changed his life overnight when he left college. Went to a team was expected to be this superstar, failed um, because he was so so far wrapped into his own crap that he couldn't you know uh, get his life straight. Uh, got cut very unceremoniously. You know, wasn't thanked for his his service or or anything like you know no applause when he left the field for the last time. None of that stuff. It was get your butt out of Philly and don't come back. Uh, had to had a coming to Jesus as I like to call it went to Minnesota and turned into a hall of famer. And you saw his hall of fame speech without, without buddy Ryan, without getting cut, without being embarrassed out of Philadelphia, Chris Carter, isn't Chris Carter. So, right. You know, and, and it, it is what it is, but you know, if Eagles fans are looking at Chris Carter saying, Oh man, we should have kept him. No, you shouldn't have, because if you keep him, you're wasting a roster spot. And that dude might, I mean, he's, he's going to spiral even more than he already was. Cause he thinks he can get away with it. So, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's the hindsight game. We've talked about it a lot, and it's it, the offseason is the prime time for it. You know, the hindsight game of, well, you know, the Cleveland Browns should have drafted Alvin Kamara with the first-round pick or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. All right. Well, David, I, I know I kind of steered this this conversation into a uh, whole other direction that we weren't really planning on. But anything else about the the Eagles Vikings slaughter before we we move on? I was just a butt whooping. It was shocking. Like, yeah. Corey Smith went from dropping a wide open pass in the first quarter to catching a bomb in the in the what third or fourth quarter to put it away. Like, it was amazing. Well, and and one more thing before I I call yet another audible and propose something to you that I proposed to a couple of other people today who seem to think it's a brilliant idea. I'm going to fix the Super Bowl and it'll take me less than five minutes. Um, for those that didn't see it, and I, I had to laugh. I don't know if you would consider this like mean or kicking somebody when they're down or or what you want to call it. But this Jeremy McNichols tweet, <clears throat> for those that didn't, we're doing it. Do what? About we're doing it. Yeah, he Jeremy McNichols tweets out, "Congrats, Big Bro at J Train, which is Jay Ajayi's Twitter handle. 
We used to talk about moments like this. Now we living it. Uh, Jeremy McNichols, you're not living anything. You're living as much of this as David and I are. Like, did he take a single snap in a regular season game this year? I don't believe so. Like, you I and I have as many professional snaps in in regular season NFL games as Jeremy McNichols does. Yeah. What is he talking about that he's out there living? Like, dude, you you ran away because they were going to put you on a practice squad and you went to another practice squad. Yeah. After Hard Knocks, and I know they can cut things up and edit it in ways that, you know, helps. uh, I just really do not like that guy. Yeah, I I mean, I think he's got a lot growing up to do. I think that... uh... I think maybe on some level he kind of just feels like he's good at this and it is like just because he's good at it um, and just hasn't learned that to stay good at it, you have to work, you know? Um, I don't, I just, I think, I don't know. It's like almost like he thinks he's Bo Jackson and just naturally gifted, but at the same time, I mean, you watch any Bo Jackson documentary, there's, there's plenty of scenes of him in the gym. So, it's not like the guy was just sitting out by the pool getting better as a running back or as a uh, home run hitter or whatever, you know. Um, I think it's just it's just a maturity thing. And, you know, part of me thinks it comes from being told that he can be great his whole life or, you know, whatever, you know, what have you. And part of it is just, uh, I mean, you know, the natural chemical of his, his ego. So you go from being, you know, fond over from, peewee all the way through high school you're always the best no matter who you're facing you go on to play for a division one college and and you do well there and then you move on to the nfl i mean this is a guy that he's he's probably always been the best player on every team he's ever been on he's probably been better than just about any opponent he's ever faced and he just hasn't had that moment where it's sunk in that like he's in a he's in a whole new class now and if he wants to continue to be you know even good, not just great, but even good, he's going to have to work a lot harder than he is. Yeah. I mean, just to make, just to make the active roster of an NFL franchise is, is a life accomplishment in itself, let alone getting on the field consistently. You know I mean? Uh, it is what it is, but and he's either going to, you know, this is his struggle and he's either going to learn from it and overcome it and maybe become one of the next players that like four years from now, we see him, you know, with, uh with my beloved Tennessee Titans playing in the playoffs and, Buccaneers fans tweeting out that they could have had him, you know, uh, maybe he's that guy or maybe he's the guy who's going to wash out and end up uh, coaching for Snoop Dogg's peewee league. I don't know. You know, uh, it's his decision. All right. Well, David, are you ready for me to fix Super Bowl 52 for all of America? Yes. Okay. Inevitably, and we'll get into our Super Bowl predictions, but I think it's pretty safe to say that the Patriots are going to beat the Eagles. I I find it incredibly hard to believe it's going to have enough firepower to outplay Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. Could be wrong, but I sincerely doubt it. That being said, nobody 
outside of Patriots fans want to see the Patriots win another Super Bowl. I I haven't decided if I'm going to root for the Patriots or not just because I hate the Eagles so much. You know, especially after all those videos that came out from what they were doing to Vikings fans and, and Buccaneers fans all remember the nasty and, and just vile things they were saying to Joe Juravicious in that NFC championship game. But I'm going to fix the Super Bowl. We have, what, a, a five-hour time slot that has to be filled on Super Bowl Sunday. So here's what we're going to do. We're not playing the game. We are going to fill this time slot with the halftime show performer. We are getting a Justin Timberlake concert that lasts like all night Sunday. But you're still going to incorporate the commercial breaks. You're still going to get your your Super Bowl commercials and in your parties and all that. And, and this concert is going to have a halftime. So the halftime show gets a halftime show. And during this halftime show, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do the trophy presentations. Give Brady the MVP, hand the Lombardi over to Bob Kraft, you know, get all that crap out of the way, pass out the shirts and the hats, and, and, and we'll just go ahead and, and get that all taken care of. And then we get, we get the second half of the concert. America doesn't have to watch the Patriots win another Super Bowl. The Patriots fans still get their championship and and their Brady's the goat and and Bill Belichick's a god and Robert Kraft was created on the eighth day and and all this stuff. They still get their ring and their banner and their trophy and all that nonsense. The Eagles don't have to be embarrassed on national television. We don't have to suffer through all of it. And we just get a nice night of enjoying whoever we invite to our, our Super Bowl parties. We enjoy our friends, we enjoy our family, we enjoy music, and at the end of the night, nobody's pissed off. I mean, can Eagles fans really even get angry if they don't watch their team get completely obliterated? <laughs> like, this is how we're going to fix the Super Bowl this year. It just It's a win-win for everybody. I'd rather watch the game. We have a point. Oh, don't be hating on JT now. No, I'm I'm excited for the halftime show. What are the odds for the Super Bowl? Do you know? The uh, you mean like the line? Yeah. Well, I know it's like New England by five or something like that. But like, what are the right odds? now? It's like, it's Patriots minus six. Yeah. I'm saying like I don't know like I might put I might put two hundred bucks on the on the Eagles. Oh, that's way too much money. I almost did it for the like Giants 20. against the Patriots, and I would have made some pretty good money had I done it. I actually have a friend that when that win did, what was it? That was 2007? Uh, something like that. Yeah, it would have been the 2007 season. The playoffs started. He took the team that he felt had the best chance to win with the longest odds. So at the beginning of the postseason, he put $200 down on the New York Giants. I can't remember how much he won, but it was a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Definitely would have been. All right. Well, David, I think that's just 
pretty much just going to about do it for us. Make sure that you are uh, visiting everything that we do over at thepewterplank.com and following us on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at thepewterplank, at jarco underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. We will have our next episode coming out on Thursday. So make sure you're sending in those direct messages on Twitter to at the Peter Plank or at Locked On Bucks. And, you know, send us your questions, your ideas, your thoughts, how you're going to be watching the, uh, the Super Bowl. Power rank your Super Bowl foods. You know, just send us anything that you want us to kind of touch on, talk about, any questions you may have. Um, you know, we're going to have to make this as interactive as possible because there's not a whole lot going on and there's not going to be a whole lot going on besides the, uh, the scouting combine for quite a little while. So with that for David Harrison, I am James Yark here at locked on bucks.